In today's episode of Better From The Ground Up, we're going to dig deep into soil, both literally and figuratively, as we explore how soil microbes impact plant growth and yield. Every morning when you get up, you run up the flag that says balanced nutrition, and you salute it every morning. That's what I'm here to do today. That's my strategy. There's no magic program for everybody. It's about identifying what's most limiting and fixing it. So it's amazing what the crop can do when your nutrition is squared away and everything's good and adequate and balanced. I think we need to start by exploring the hidden world beneath our feet. This is called the soil microbiome. I studied plant and soil science at SIU. I have extensive soil microbiology training and I talk to farmers every single day across the country. I cannot stress to you enough the significance of soil microbiology in agriculture. Soil is not just dirt. Soil without life is dirt, but dirt plus life is soil. It's a complex ecosystem teeming with microorganisms like bacteria, fungi, protozoa, nematodes, microarthropods, and many other organisms. Don't let these terms intimidate you. The important thing to understand is that these tiny creatures play a pivotal role in nutrient cycling, disease suppression, and plant health. In fact, a single teaspoon of soil has more microorganisms than there are people on Earth. And in one cup of healthy soil, there's more soil microorganisms than there ever have been people on Earth since the beginning of time. Doesn't that blow your mind? Soil microbes are like the unsung heroes of agriculture. They form symbiotic relationships with plants, helping them acquire nutrients like nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, zinc, iron, which all nutrients are essential for the growth of your crops. So nutrient cycling is something that we learn in college we learn the chemistry standpoint of nutrient cycling. We learn about diffusion, mass flow uptake, but what we don't learn about in college is how the microbes play their role. So every nutrient that's taken up, almost every time there's a microorganism in the middle of that. So in nature, your plants are growing, they're performing photosynthesis, they're creating sugars and other compounds in the leaves, okay? What happens is when the plant needs some phosphorus, for instance, it will create a chemical cocktail in the leaves and it will translocate that down the plant and, and ooze it out the roots. And that's called a root exudate. So exudates are combinations of photosynthates, chemical compounds, amino acids, organic acids, signals, strigolactones. There's all kinds of compounds that go into this exudate. And what they do is they release those out the roots and they feed biology. So there's bacteria and fungi, or there should be, all over the root surface, okay? And the plant knows, hey, when I need phosphorus, I'm going to create this cocktail and I'm going to exude it out the roots, and usually I get phosphorus in return. So it's feeding specific species of bacteria and fungi that are best at helping it acquire phosphorus. If the plant needs some zinc, it's going to be a different chemical compound or cocktail that it produces in the leaf surface and exudes out the roots. It's going to feed different species of organisms that are best at getting it zinc. Same thing for potassium, iron, boron, nitrogen, right? The plant knows what it needs to create in the leaves and what it needs to exude out the roots to get whichever given nutrient it's signaling for. So if a plant needs some iron and it sends a signal out the roots to get some iron and those microbes are not there the bacteria or fungi that it normally relies on to get iron if those microbes are not present or they're not present at high enough populations guess what happens nothing 
right? It, it does not get anything in return. So as a farmer, I'm sure you hate spending money on something you're not going to get a return on. Well, for the plant, it's a lot more than just money. It's life or death. Okay, so if it sends a, uh, if it sends an exudate out, some precious resources out, and doesn't get anything in return, that's a much worse day than losing twenty dollars. Um, that's going to weaken it, leave it susceptible to disease and insect attack. So just understand that nutrient cycling is not as simple as diffusion and mass flow um, and other chemistry uptake methods. So when we when we get into this, we'll talk a lot about about the specifics and the nuances of how these microbes affect plant growth so nutrient cycling is a complex thing with a lot of lot of moving parts to it and we need good microbial diversity to make sure that whatever that plant signals for there's a microbe there to get it what it needs so these microbes are also going to help protect plants from pathogens so you'll have a root colonized with biology when that root germinates. So you plant your corn or soybeans or watermelon or canola or potatoes or whatever you plant, when that seed germinates and the root comes out, you have a half inch long root in the soil, which is a little tiny section of root, right? A half inch. Well, that half inch of root is touching soil and it's gonna get colonized by bacteria and fungi. And whatever's there around that root zone, whatever's in the root zone is going to colonize that root. Those bacteria and fungi, they recognize the root. They say, oh, that's a life source. I want to live on that. And they'll live on that the entire life of the plant. If we have good, healthy soil, um, good, healthy, balanced soil, we're using good biological products that work. The more beneficial organisms we can get built up in that zone around the seed, the more of a chance we have of that root being colonized with beneficials. So when your root is covered with beneficial bacteria and fungi, it makes it much harder for pathogens to invade that root. So when the plant gets a little bigger and the pathogens come along, they have to fight through those beneficials. The beneficials have a very vested interest in that plant surviving. They're going to work hard to keep that pathogen out. So now you have the plant defending itself and you have the bacteria and fungi on the root helping that plant defend itself. So tacking on the plant health and the nutrient, uh, nutrient cycling aspect of things, you can start to see that there's a lot going on with biology and it's very critical to have it. So another thing that these organisms do is they help build soil structure. So bacteria in the soil, when they are in the soil, they attach themselves to clay colloids, to humic substances, uh, to plant roots, right? They're attaching themselves. And how do they attach themselves? They do that by creating glue-like structures. They, they have sticky exudates that basically adhere them to soil particles or root surfaces or humic substances, organic matter pieces. So the more bacteria you have out there creating these sticky substances to, to stick themselves to soil particles, those sticky substances start to bind tiny microscopic soil particles together into stable aggregates. So we know that we need good aggregation for air and water infiltration. Similarly, when fungus is growing throughout the soil, fungus grows through the soil almost like a root system grows through the soil. It grows slowly, and it'll grow a millimeter, and it'll attach itself to a soil particle, and it'll continue to grow further, and it'll attach itself to another particle. So as that fungal hyphae system grows throughout the soil, attaching itself to particles all over, well, guess what that does? That keeps those soil particles in place. So when we get a heavy rain, um, when we have equipment driving over, 
Um, it's just a good way for us to keep those soil particles from collapsing and clogging up the micro and macro pores in the soil, which again gives us better air and water infiltration. And I assume everyone listening knows how important oxygen and water infiltration is in having high crop yields. So the same thing with uh, the other thing with fungus is that as they go throughout that soil and help nutrient uptake, in the wintertime, um, in the fall and winter and spring, they those fungus, different species of fungus, are going to be breaking down the crop residue. So crop residue, uh, bacteria can break down crop residue if it's narrow C to N ratio material. But if it's complex carbon, wide C to N ratio material, that takes fungus. So the more we build the fungi up in our soils, not only do we get access to water and nutrients in season, but we can actually break down crop residue in the fall and winter months. That's critical to building soil organic matter. One of the reasons we lose organic matter is we don't have the fungi to rebuild it and sustain it. If we could build those fungi up, we could cycle residue much more efficiently and that would help us build soil organic matter and we know that soil organic matter is responsible for a large part of water holding capacity so it's of tremendous value if we can increase our soil organic matter one or two percent over time that's thousands and thousands of gallons of water per acre that we can hold so when we have a drought drought month or two, June and July are really hot and dry. We've got that much more water holding ability. That becomes a huge deal for maintaining yields. So that's just a few examples of what these microbes do. They do a lot more. Uh, it's more complex than the way I explained it. Um, but that's it's safe to say that understanding and nurturing this microbial community is crucial for successful and profitable farming. So I have farmers all the time, all day, every day, asking me, okay, how do I actually harness this information? And how do I harness these microbes? How do I grow them? How do I maintain them? How do I balance them? How do I do that effectively? That brings us to biological fertilizers. Biological fertilizers, often called biofertilizers, are a game changer. They contain beneficial microbes that improve soil fertility and overall plant health. By using biofertilizers, farmers can reduce their chemical inputs and their fertilizer rates. Reducing chemical inputs and fertilizer rates obviously contribute to sustainable and profitable farming practices. If we can effectively reduce inputs and, and certain fertilizers, that's going to be a big deal for our bottom line. So it's pretty easy to get excited about this kind of thing. Let me share a few success stories with you about how biological fertilizers have made a difference right here in my community. So we've seen farmers increase their crop yields, reduce some fertilizer input costs, improve soil health through the strategic use of biological fertilizers. Strategic use is the key right there. You don't just go pick a biological and throw it out there and think, okay, I can reduce this and that and the other. You have to know exactly what your biological is doing for you and you have to know what you need. So it all starts with an observation, uh, soil sampling, tissue sampling, things like that to figure out where we're over applying, where we're under applying. Those are the things that, that make the difference. So if you just pick a product off the shelf because there's a bunch of marketing behind it and you think, okay, I'm gonna dump this in the tank and get 10 bushels um, and reduce my, my phosphorus applications by 40%, not a solid strategy. We wanna go a lot more in depth with that. I wanna give you just a couple examples from somewhat local guys here. We have one farm in Grantsville, Illinois that has been working with us for the past five years. Uh, I think when we started back in 2016, 17 with them, 
their corn average was about 160 bushels per acre. That has steadily went up 10 to 12 bushels per acre, sometimes 15, 20 bushel jumps year after year. Now they're over a 200 bushel farm average. This year, they are on track to beat their farm record again with a well over 200 bushel farm average on dryland corn. In some parts of the world, that may not be impressive, but for where we're at, the soil that we're farming, that's huge. Uh, that That is definitely top prize in the county that we're farming in. And this year, we have not had a perfect weather scenario by any means. We had a really dry June, um, had a lot of stress. So just a little testimony to what biologicals can do as far as helping you weather that stress and maintaining your yield potential through something like a drought for, uh, for four to six weeks. That is one example. There's another farm um, in eastern Kentucky, actually more like central Kentucky, and we've been working with them for three or four years in a row now, and we have continuously improved their soil biology, their nutrient status in the tissue, and their crop yields. Last year, they had a, a really dry year, and a lot of people around them were picking a bunch of 100 to 150 bushel corn. Quite a bit of that going around. It was very dry, very rough year. They were not optimistic about harvesting. They weren't excited about harvesting. But when they got into corn harvest, I mean, you're talking a thousand acres of corn into the game. They called me and their, their exact words were, we don't understand how our yields are this good. They should not be this good right now. So that was a that's a pleasant surprise always. We have the same thing going on this year. Um, really dry summer, lots of stress. You can see the corn curling up and stressing, but um, we caught some late rains, and because we had a strategy in place from, from before season, starting in furrow and two by two, um, starting early, we were able to maintain a lot of that yield potential. So these guys this year, so far they are 650 acres in, and not even on their good ground, they're averaging 255, and this is dryland corn. So it's exciting. It's extremely exciting for us to get those phone calls, and we get a lot of them. Uh, frankly, we get more every year because we learn more every year. So when we are able to show guys, hey, you can still have some really, really exceptional yields, even with kind of a tough weather year, um, that's, that's why we do this. I hope it's becoming clear to you that soil microbiology and biological products as well as biofertilizers are transformative forces in agriculture. Now let's get into some practical steps for farmers who actually want to harness this power. You can start by getting your soil tested to understand the microbial levels and diversity. We offer soil testing that will show you your numbers of bacteria and your diversity, your numbers and diversity of fungi, your numbers and diversity of protozoa, and your numbers and diversity in nematodes. So those are the four core categories of soil microbiology, and we want to have good numbers and diversity of each. Like I mentioned earlier, as far as nutrient cycling goes, we need the diversity because we never know exactly what that plant is going to need any given minute of the day. So those plants are, are making responses every second of the day. There's always disease trying to attack. There's always a nutrient that it needs. It's a never-ending process. So I can't stress enough that we need diversity. We need thousands of species of bacteria. We need hundreds and thousands, hundreds or thousands of species of fungi in the soil. We need lots of different species of protozoa and the same with nematodes. So all of these things are important and our soil test will show you 
your overall bacterial biomass and diversity, your overall fungal biomass and diversity, protozoa and nematodes as well. When we see that, then we can start talking about here's the products or practices that we would recommend for improving that weak link. Okay, there's always something that's most limiting. It only makes sense to fix the weakest link in the chain. And so that's what we're going to be able to observe with this soil test. So there's other things that we can do. We can tissue sample to get an accurate status of your plant nutrient content. Soil samples are good. Um, we'd look at phosphorus and pH and potassium and zinc levels and all those things on a soil test. A soil test shows us the amount of nutrients in the soil. It does not tell us the availability of those nutrients. Just because a soil test is supposedly showing us the plant available form of nutrients does not mean that our plant is actually going to get that in it. We can have a very high potassium soil test and actually have low levels of potassium in the plant. So the tissue sampling is going to show us what's actually in the plant. That's something that's critical for us, okay? If you only look at a soil sample, you'll be very limited in how you can identify what's most limiting and improving your yields from there. Tissue sample, on the other hand, there's no question about it. The plant's going to tell us what it's got. So our recommendation to farmers is ask your plants what they need. Don't ask the sales rep or the local agronomist. Um, don't ask them what the plants need unless it's visually obvious. Ask the plants what they need. They will tell you, and that's what a tissue sample is going to do for us. So it's also important to do as much as we can to nurture the soil microbiome naturally. Um, reducing tillage is great. I know sometimes that's not an option, but it's a great practice. Cover crops are another thing that are great at feeding soil microbes. So the more different cover crops we put out, the more soil microbes we're going to feed. Grass species feed some sets of organisms more than others. Legumes, um, radishes. Every time we put a different species of plant out there, we're going to be building up different communities of soil biology. So two-way and three-way blends of cover crops um, are better just simply at feeding diversity, not to mention helping, helping open up different pore sizes in the soil because of different root structures. So cover crops are an amazing tool um, to feed those microbes. There's some regions in the world where that's just not an option. I understand that. That's where we get into things uh, like our reset product, the compost extracts, um, and other food sources to stimulate that biology. So there's a lot of different things we can do to improve biology. But again, it starts by evaluating where are we weakest at, what do we need to focus on. Then we're going to choose the tools that, that fit your actual farming methods and your geography to fix those problems. That's going to be it for today's episode of Better from the Ground Up. I hope you've enjoyed digging a little deeper into the world of soil microbiology and getting a glimpse at how these microorganisms improve plant growth yield and profitability. Today we just scratched the surface of how microbiology and plants interact. We're going to get a lot deeper in the future. We're going to get a lot more specific about certain topics, and we are going to cover some information that's really going to help you harness the power of soil microbiology as well as improving yields and profitability. Remember to follow us on social media and subscribe to our podcast. Hope you come back again for the next one. We're always working very hard to show you guys there is so much opportunity waiting for you right beneath your feet. Thanks for listening to Better From The Ground Up.